I'm Romano Giorgi. Welcome to the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast. This podcast packs three life-bettering, easy-to-grasp principles into weekly 15-minute episodes. These life hacks are designed to improve your mental, social, and financial health and wealth. Give the next 15 your full and undivided attention, for the much better you is waiting. Danger, Will Robinson. Hello. Welcome to episode nine of the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast. I hope you're keeping great and enjoying the summer so far. We've had some nice sunshine in London, and I hope you've had some nice weather where you are too. But anyway, let's get episode nine on track, shall we? I bet there's a few smarty pants people out there that you've come across in your life. You know the type of people that will memorise things and then regurgitate information in order to impress you and to show off. Being knowledgeable is also great for passing school or university exams, for instance. Though please don't start me off on how useful I think rote learning is in the medium to longer term. Knowledge is not power, though, unless it is practically demonstrated in life, rather than just being regurgitated in some conversation or formal test. First aid training, for instance, will only ever be useful when it is used to actually help someone in need. Don't just tell people about the knowledge or lessons that you've learned. Demonstrate this knowledge to them. Lead by example by incorporating these valuable lessons into your life. People tend to be far more receptive to seeing rather than just hearing. Blah, blah, blah. Remember the John Archibald Wheeler final thought from episode six. As our island of knowledge grows, so does the shore of our ignorance. True depth of knowledge essentially will be reflected by an appreciation of just how little we do know in the grand scheme of things. Beware that person that believes that they are at the top of their game that they know all they need to know, and so that person will close themselves off to challenge, feedback, or new ideas. Beware, for this is how ideologies are formed. And expand your own horizons by looking outside of your peer group. I'll go into this in greater detail in this episode, but by following people on social media that may have different beliefs or persuasions to you, you will be better placed to challenge your own limiting beliefs or knowledge. Whenever entering into a challenging negotiation or discussion, prepare for it by first considering what the other person's viewpoint may be. As convinced as you may be of your own position, what possible harm could it do to challenge this position from as many alternatives or angles as you possibly can think of? No matter how crazy or unlikely these perspectives may seem at first, give it a go. Who knows, you may change your mind, or at the very least, better be able to get your own point across. This is a powerful skill that you can develop through practice, and you can have some fun along the way too. Why not get together with some friends, for instance, and play a game where you write down some unlikely statements that you will need to either argue for or against? The winner being whoever can come up with the most compelling arguments. For instance... Pavements or sidewalks should be made of jelly. Or people should be readily allowed to sell their organs to whoever wants to buy them. (gasps) Two quite extreme statements, perhaps, but challenge yourself to argue in favour of them. I bet you'll surprise yourself with what you'll come up with. 
And yes, I'm going to say it. Please post your for and against thoughts or arguments in both the 3 in 15 podcast Facebook group and on social media at 3 in 15 podcast. Now, in today's episode, I shall be asking you to be less of a sensitive soul by embracing criticism. I shall be talking about using humour to your advantage and will be finishing off by looking at the bigger picture. Okay, unless you're busy trying to covertly pee into a park bush that you originally thought was private, but then an entire family walks by and their inquisitive pet dog starts barking at you and then accidentally gets soaked. (laughs) Sit back, relax and plug in. This will feel a little weird. Episode 9, Principle 1. Embrace Criticism. You'll remember, if you previously listened to episode 4's Principle 2, Pause, Aim, Fire, that humans are illogical, egotistical creatures that for the most part will be unable to receive contrary feedback from others in a manner that is both constructive and free from emotion. This does not mean, however, that one shouldn't strive to embrace criticism regardless, especially as there are lessons to be learned that may be of benefit. Now, just before we get stuck into this, criticism, as negative or harsh as it sounds, can also be used in a positive, constructive way to improve something, not just in a negative way that may lower your self-esteem or cause an undesirable emotion such as stress or anger. The shame is, most of us on the receiving end of criticism will sway toward the negative response because the ego is hardwired into our self-identity. Now, Kane Ramsey in his book Responsibility Rebellion has a healthy way of looking at criticism that I'm going to describe here because it will help to explain why one should stop taking offence from criticism but instead should look to learn from it. As Ramsey explains, criticism from anyone can be a bitter pill to swallow, whether it's a negative online review of my podcast, for instance, God forbid, or an opinion from a friend, but not all criticism is ill-intentioned. Just because your partner offers you some fair criticism every so often doesn't mean that they don't love you or that they don't want the best for you. And just because your line manager at work may give you some slightly harsh feedback, it doesn't mean that you need to quit your job. Now, as tempting as it is to label all forms of criticism as hypocrisy, ignorance or spite, there is always some truth to the criticism you receive. Yes, Ramsey makes a controversial statement here, but I repeat, there is always some truth to the criticism you receive. This does not mean, of course, that all criticism you receive is accurate, but all criticism stems from somewhere rooted in reality. People's accurate or inaccurate criticisms against you are based on their perceptions of you. So instead of taking offence, all external criticism should be followed by self-reflection, most especially on how you present yourself to certain people. No matter how crazy, unjustified or wildly inaccurate you may believe the criticism to be, Ramsey believes that discarding it or taking offence is both fatally ignorant and unproductive. Instead, all feedback you receive is an opportunity to self-reflect and learn about yourself. For you can learn the following things from your critics. How you are perceived by others. How your behaviours and emotions unintentionally come across. And perhaps how to effectively and ineffectively critique others. Far easier said than done, of course. So how can you do this? 
Well, by putting your emotions or personal feelings to one side and being grateful for the insight into an alternative perspective, regardless of how upsetting this feedback may be. And try not to focus on how the criticism was delivered. I mean, there's some pretty emotionally unintelligent people out there after all. But instead, focus on what you can take away from the criticism without becoming emotionally attached to it. And, as Ramsey reflects on in another lesson from his book, feedback is a critical stage of the learning process more broadly. This is because true learning cannot take place within a bubble or within a group of like-minded people that do not offer opposition or alternative perspectives. For instance, like I mentioned earlier, most of us on Instagram or Twitter will only follow others that share our political or social views in order to cement our own beliefs. This essentially means that we are shutting ourselves off to growth, to potentially novel, better or healthier concepts or perspectives. Instead, Ramsey encourages us to not be afraid of listening to all perspectives in order to learn about them, understand the psychology behind them, and importantly, strengthen your own position in accordance with them. And so to finish on one of his quotes, and I will read this. Never block your ears from listening to feedback, even if you'd never believe or agree with it. Your growth and wisdom depend on listening to others, hearing what they have to say, and making your own independent judgment based on the information you have at hand. Embrace criticism. Episode 9, Principle 2. Reframe with humour. Life is stressful sometimes. In fact, at times it may feel like the universe is conspiring against us. It starts to rain when you don't have your umbrella, you miss your bus so you're going to be late for that meeting, you make up time by running to the office, only to find when you get there that your meeting was in fact tomorrow morning instead. Oh no! You are soaked, tired, sweaty and your work colleagues are laughing at you. You have three choices. You can scream, you can be silent angry or you can laugh at yourself too. And not surprisingly, the latter option of laughing at yourself is best for your mental health. And by the way, your colleagues will like you much better for it too. Of course, this may not be easy at the time. So perhaps you can imagine yourself relaying the experience to somebody else later on and making it as funny as you can. And you'll never guess what happened when I got there. (laughs) One of the wonderful things about being human is that anecdotes about things going horribly wrong are a wonderful source of humour after the event. The trick I will describe in this principle, however, is not to wait until afterwards, but instead use the prospect of cashing in on the anecdote to help you now. According to Richard Templer in his book, The Rules of Living Well, when he used to volunteer for the Samaritans, a wonderful charity that helps people in distress, one of the things he noticed was that even people going through the most dreadful traumas seem to cope better when they laughed at themselves. And the reason that Templar thinks this is, is that in order to laugh at themselves, they had to take a mental step back and view themselves from someone else's perspective. And it was that distance, that almost objective self-observation that seemed to be giving them the detachment they needed to cope with their situation. Laughing at your situation helps you to cope because you're essentially detaching yourself from it. You are looking at your situation in a different way. You are reframing your situation. Following on from what I said previously in episode 8, principle 1, accept that which you cannot control, humour may well be one of the most powerful weapons in your armoury when it comes to acceptance. Laughing at your situation helps. 
In fact, laughing in general is great at improving mental health. So while laughing at yourself is an excellent reframing tool, it can also apply more broadly to other potentially stressful situations too. For example, when I was at university, one of my lecturers had a really annoying habit of snorting, or how can I best describe it, blowing his nose from the inside and swallowing it all the time. And I'm really sorry, I hope that doesn't put you off your lunch. Anyway, at first, I found this great distracting and I just couldn't concentrate on his teachings. This was stressful because I needed to pass his exams. It was only after I moaned about it to some classmates did we create a game whereby essentially at every one of his lectures, we would count or tally up how many snorts he would blurt out. It became kind of a game whereby every week we would see if he could beat his own record. And you know what? Snortly, I mean, shortly after that, I became completely oblivious to his annoying habit because I'd made light of it. I deflected it away from my stress sensors by using humour to reframe it. You know, one can apply humour to many situations where you find yourself needing to spend time with like patronising or annoying work colleagues or relatives, for instance, perhaps by comparing funny notes with others that also need to suffer these people. And finally, I personally find humour to be of some comfort when it comes to grief. Sometimes I'll be chatting to my mum about my late dad, for instance, and will remember something he did or said that was funny, and so we'll laugh about it, and in that moment, our grief will become a beautiful shared memory that we can both reflect on with fondness and joy. And we'll remember in that moment how lucky we are to have had him in our lives. Reframe with humour. Episode 9, Principle 3 Look at the bigger picture. I went to a new barn in my home recently with the missus. We'd separately walked past it a few times before, but we agreed that, given how convenient it was with regards to where we live, we would explore it together in the hope of discovering a cool new and local hangout. As we walked in, we noticed that the happy hour, i.e. two of the same cocktails for the price of one, finished at 7pm every night. It was quite literally 7pm when we walked in, so perhaps cheekily you may think, I asked the waiter whether they would still honour the happy hour deal if I ordered our drinks immediately. Embarrassingly for us, he made a big show of looking at his watch, then exclaiming that because it had just gone 7 o'clock and that his business was a small new business, they couldn't afford to stretch out their two-for-one offer beyond the advertised time. When I politely responded with something like, ah, it's only one minute past seven, can't you just stretch it out on this one occasion? His body language completely changed to disgruntled mode and he begrudgingly replied with something along the lines of, I guess, if you must insist, but the rest will be full price! Exclamation mark. He then threw two cocktail menus onto the table in front of us and stormed off. The missus and I looked at each other half awkwardly, then we sat down. As we perused our drinks choices, both of us were becoming increasingly uncomfortable at the prospect of hanging around an unwelcoming bar being served by a moody waiter. We were sat there for about 10 minutes waiting for him to return and take our drinks orders, but he never did. So, half relieved, we got up, left, and then went on to spend an unholy small fortune on cocktails in another bar instead. The moral of this story for me is that rather than his investing in our potential continued custom by A, being nice to us, and B, willingly stretching out his happy hour by one minute. All he could think of was the short-term loss of profit associated with the one cocktail. 
Had things gone completely differently, perhaps we would have become his regulars that would have told all our friends about this Cornu bar, and then they might have told their friends and so on. He may have subsequently generated thousands of pounds worth of profits had he handled this one situation differently. He should have responded proactively with an eye on the bigger picture, and by the way, because it would have also been simply a nice thing to do. Not reactively as he did, by focusing instead on the perceived shorter term loss. You know what? Maybe as per episode one, principle two, shift your perspective, he was just having a really crappy day, which we just so happen to cross over with. And so I hold no ill feelings for the individual. However, once burnt, I rarely visit the same bar or restaurant twice if I can help it. By the way, the bar, should you also wish to avoid it, is called... Just kidding. I would never do that. (laughs) Or would I? Actually... This is just my perception and version of events. So please let me know what you think about the bar story on the 3 and 15 podcast Facebook group. Do you think my request was cheeky, for instance, and so was he justified in his response? Let me know, as I think this is a pretty interesting discussion. But anyway, the point I'm making that again isn't a million miles away from episode 4, principle 2, Paul's aim fire, is that we should always seek to create a gap between stimulus and response so that we may better choose appropriate actions that are more likely to yield longer term benefits as opposed to a shorter term fleeting relief. If someone spits in your face and you act on an impulse to slap or punch them back, sure, for a split second afterwards, you may feel a little bit better, like you have somehow recovered your pride, whatever that is, but maybe later on they'll press charges against you for GBH, or maybe they'll fall back and crack their head open on the pavement, which isn't made of jelly, or maybe this person had a severe mental health issue that they were unable to control, or maybe things escalate for the worse and their mates open up a can of whip ass on you. Or, how many people, for instance, will immediately sell shares when the markets plummet, only to see these shares go back up again and surpass their original value in the medium to longer term? They neglect to look at the bigger picture, the actual reason why they invested in stocks and shares in the first place. Impulsive or short-term thinking that doesn't involve immediate self-preservation, for instance, jumping out the way of a speeding car, rarely serves us in the medium to longer term. So the next time something challenging or unexpected happens to you, try to create enough of a gap between stimulus and response that will enable you to choose the most appropriate course of action that will best serve your longer term needs. Look at the bigger picture. Congratulations. You made it to the end of episode nine of the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast in which I covered the following three principles. Embrace criticism, reframe with humor, and look at the bigger picture. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the 3 and 15 podcast on whichever platform floats your inflatable banana, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. And do please leave me some positive reviews on these podcast platforms, as this will help to raise the profile of your favorite 3 and 15 podcast. Please also follow my at 3 in 15 podcast Twitter and Instagram accounts and join the 3 in 15 podcast Facebook group so that you can join in with discussions, suggest future episode topics and also comment on the following final thought of today. Care of Vincent van Gogh. To suffer without complaint is the only lesson we have to learn in this life. I repeat, to suffer without complaint is the only lesson we have to learn in this life. 
Thank you so much for listening. Have an incredible week and I will see you at the next one. She married way too young Slowly they came undone